2: Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer at the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber has the morning off. S&P trying to hold gains for the week. Anything above 44.32 will do it. We're watching Bitcoin, Fed speak, a 10-year yield uh, breaking out further, 142, the highest since July. Our roadmap begins with China, Evergrande and global investors still in limbo. And Nike also weighing on the Dow after reporting some further supply chain problems. That crypto crackdown, China's vowing to root out illegal activity, as they call it, and ban crypto mining nationwide and then boosters the CDC clearing the way for millions of Americans to get that third COVID vaccine shot. Jim was just talking with the squawk gang about crypto. And once again, uh, I mean, they are clearly uh, of the view that transactions in crypto are illegal.
3: Right. I mean, I think that a lot of the people who are uh, backers of crypto are always going to be backers of crypto. They remind me of fans. Uh, you can tell me that the Philadelphia Eagles are terrible. I would say, I don't care. They're great. That's what they do. That's crypto. And I don't mean this facetiously. Like there were people immediately said, this is good news for crypto. It is not because what the Chinese want to know is where the money is. They want they want crypto open. They don't want any place you can hide their money. That's why they went after Anne. Remember what she keeps saying. Data is everything. And the data is hidden for crypto. And he's ending that. So those who think that this is good news, that they off, do it offshore, whatever, look, it, this is a, a this is a tyrannical, totalitarian regime that has just taken one of the biggest group of buyers of crypto out of the market. How that can possibly be bullish is beyond.
2: You know, I'm thinking to what Gensler said earlier in the week. I don't think there's long-term viability for five or 6,000 private forms of money. Maybe that Maybe he's taking into account how other governments are going to view this long term.
3: I think so. Now, there are a lot of people. I mean, look, my old, my old friend, uh, uh, Anthony Scaramucci, was saying, look, Coinbase is going to win in this fight against Gensler. Well, you never win against regulators. That, that just it, it doesn't work. Regulators win. And remember, Gensler is not trying to shut down Coinbase. He's saying we have to regulate. It's a security. The Chinese are saying it's a security and we want to know who owns it and how much. That's not what Gensler wants. He just wants to call it a security. But the crypto is on the defensive right now. And those who act as if everything's fine in crypto world, and I own Ethereum. I know I'm taking a beating here. Uh, Everyone's fine, are making a major mistake because the Chinese have revealed themselves as being the enemies of the wealthy. It's like the old way that the communists were. And if the wealthy are hiding their money in crypto, they will be found and they will be re-educated.
2: Jim mentions Coinbase and clearly that back and forth between the company and the SEC is something we're watching. This is what Gensler said regarding engagement with the industry.
1: I look forward to further engagement with the companies in this space and the market participants. And it's really about how we bring basic investor protection uh, to protect people against fraud manipulation
3: And this is an area that's been rife with fraud and abuse.
2: All right, that's from our conversation with him
3: uh, on the 15th. I mean, if you speak to any, I speak to all the cybersecurity companies, they all come on um, Mad Money, and almost uh, to a person, they say, look, if you want to know how ransomware works, it's just, it's all Bitcoin. Uh, You know, that's how you pay people, and we have to be able to find out a way to stop that. So the government has to make it illegal if you pay Bitcoin, just like it is illegal if you, by the way, pay ransom in this country. Uh, they want uh, the, the it is very clear that the government has to step in and say, listen, if you pay ransom. But uh, when you speak to, to Commissioner Gensler, he, this is the kind of thing that he's worried about. It's like this shadow security. And he keeps calling a security. And under, remember, he's allowed to deem under the 1934 Act. What's a security? So those who keep inflating these issues saying he's against uh, crypto, he's not against crypto. He just wants crypto to be a security. Um, and uh, he certainly doesn't want it being lent against if we don't know it's a security. I get 8% on my cash balance for my the firm that I use. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> you you said this before. Eight? How do they get 8%? Well, you know who also wants to know how it's possible? Against. Yeah. And the difference, of course, is that I don't have subpoena power. Um, I've often liked to have subpoena <laughs> yeah. power. But, but these people who say that the SEC chairman is going to be schooled or he doesn't know, right, these are ch- children. They're children. And they ought to get to be adults. You know, I work, I have fortunately have been working with Paul Weiss for 30 years, my law firm. And uh, there have been moments where I've wanted to say the commissioner doesn't know what he's talking about. And their pushback is always "But he's the commissioner. He's the commissioner. It really doesn't matter. And I don't know who these guys' lawyers are, but I've got to tell you, th- their lawyers are saying to them right now, shut the hell up. Yeah. Just shut up. Yeah. Uh, clearly,
2: the China headlines regarding crypto are one story. The other one is the ongoing headline watch on Evergrande, as the world's literally now waiting to see if and when the check is clearing uh, regarding that, uh, that debt payment. Let's get to Eunice Yoon for the latest. Hi, Eunice.
4: Hey Carl, still unclear. I mean, Evergrande bondholders are now shifting their focus to the 30-day grace period by which Evergrande needs to settle the interest on its dollar-denominated bond, or potentially risk default. Uh, Chinese companies have in the past a paid interest during this 30-day grace period, but not to the same size and scale as Evergrande. The hope has been that Evergrande is going to follow through on some recommendations. That uh, the financial regulators had made to the company uh, about a week ago at a a meeting uh, whereby they said that they needed to um, communicate better with bondholders in order to risk uh, in order to avoid um, the risk of of defaulting. So uh, some of the other recommendations had been to uh, guarantee homes to make sure that uh, the um, individual investors and some of their financial products uh, were made whole. So we already have heard from the company's founder in the past couple of days that those are some of the recommendations that they intended to follow through on. Now, there has been more sign of stress in uh, the Chinese property sector at large, as well as at Evergrande. Evergrande has now lost a shareholder. A Chinese estate says that they're not going to to um, have a stake in the company um, any, any longer. Also, um, in some Chinese media reports, there were reports that land auctions have gone unsold in Hangzhou, which is the base of Alibaba, and also seen for a long time as one of a, the best cities to um, buy real estate, and then a, the local office of the developer, Sunac is appealing for policy assistance. So we're starting to see, uh, Jim, some of these signs of stress, probably one of the reasons why we have the central bank once again injecting liquidity into the banking system to try to stabilize concerns in the markets as well as for the economy.
3: As always, you the single source of truth about China. And I do think that they are basically saying, listen, we have an FDIC for the individuals, but there's no FDIC for the for the uh, wealthy. Uh, but the one thing I wanted to point out not under the item called Wag the Dog, my friend John Ellis, news items by John Ellis, did point out that yesterday uh, China sent two air, two air force incursions close to Taiwan. And uh, this was the largest number of Chinese planes to enter since uh, June. Um, and I wonder whether when we say wag the dog, uh, are the Chinese going to feel this is an interesting time to make the squeeze on Taiwan? It certainly makes it so that we focus less on Evergrande and more on on military ambitions.
4: Well, the, the Chinese have uh, for quite some time now uh tried to uh, have been make, sending the message that Taiwan is definitely part of China and um as you well know uh, there's a quad summit that's coming up in the united states where president biden is going to be meeting with uh, leaders from um from india from japan uh, making sure that you know that, that the u.s um, is able to uh, stabilize its relationship with allies in the asia pacific region which china uh doesn't look kindly upon so um, you know, there's a lot of geopolitics here, uh, Carl, but China definitely wanting to send that message uh, to Washington that uh, they don't want uh, Washington or anyone else to um, in any way try to split uh, Taiwan uh, from China, which Beijing believes is part of China and um, and needs to always be part of China.
2: Yeah, the ripple effects on that one, uh, Eunice, uh, roiling even uh, Europe. Uh, and France and Australia, for example, uh, we're watching that as well. Eunice, thanks. Uh, Eunice Yoon in Beijing this morning. Nike's going to be the uh, one micro story of the morning, dropping in the pre-market. Supply chain challenges continue to hurt the retailer. Inventories flat, Jim, because of elevated in-transit inventories, and it's weighing on names like Under Armour today, too.
3: There's a very interesting dynamic developing with Nike. There are people who say it's supply, supply problems. Uh, Obviously, they had problems making in Vietnam COVID. And then there's the actual number. I'm going to side with the bears here. In greater China, revenue grew 1% on a currency uh, neutral. EBIT uh, grew 2%. uh, There's a very big guy down by Nike. I mean, really serious guy down uh, from double digit to single digit. Uh, I'm worried about Nike. Uh, I'm worried about Nike because this China number, which they are portraying as being a supply problem, I think it's a demand problem. Now, I think that you can argue, argue that other places around the lo- globe, it could be a, uh, they t- there's just not enough product. But I think these levels of uh, greater China revenue grew 1%, that's just, that's just not supply. And now the analysts to a person are going to, well, not only a person, because Barclays agrees with me, but uh, I followed Nike for a long time. This was a very different Nike conference call. Now, some would say it was a disaster. Why? Because the typical one is a well-orchestrated discussion about how things are going around the globe. This was, hey, listen, we screwed up on making supply. We can't meet demand. Well, yes, it's true that there are places you can't meet demand, like toilet paper at Costco. And we'll go into that. But I'm not buying it. I think that that China's a problem for them. And I'm not backing away because the numbers that they're suggesting when they say we now expect fiscal 22 revenue to grow mid single digits versus the prior year uh, versus our prior year guidance of low double digits. And then they immediately. So they, this is what they do. They say do solely to the supply chain solely. So I question in a close textual analysis whether the word solely is correct.
2: Interesting. Uh, Street was looking for five out of China. North America was up 15. And margins, by the way, were not a problem on this print.
3: Absolutely. Completely right. And uh, we still expect gross margins to expand 125 basis points. But versus the prior, year, they do say at the low end? Now, I I just come back and it's China, China, China. But I don't like the end. It's almost as if someone said, OK, look, every time we mention any weakness, I want the word solely. Uh, and that kind of unison way of expressing something with Matt Friend being at the point, not John Donham, No, no, I'm not going there. So I think there's are issues.
2: So you think it's a it's not like FedEx where you had a, a supply issue, but robust demand environment.
3: Yes, That's, it's not like FedEx. FedEx, by the way, was equally disastrous. But I'm still waiting to find out if only 65 percent of the people were in the Portland hub. Uh, so therefore, they have to go around Portland. Well, where are the other thirty-five percent? Are they scared of COVID I and mean, whatever? That that thing was a puzzle wrapped into an enigma. This call, this Nike call, was meant to tell you it's better than ever. Uh, and if we could get the stuff, it would be great. And I, I'm not, I'm not going there. No, I'm going to question that. Well,
2: if I mean, if you, if we blow that out uh, to a much broader aperture, I mean, slow down a, mass, a massive slowdown in demand in China would have ramifications for global growth at large.
3: Yes, absolutely. Now, right now, we're what? uh, Guide down from 8.4 to 8.1. I am not as worried about uh, evergreen Only for one reason. Because the Communist Party can decide, you know what, we're going to re-educate the people who screwed up here. Uh, It's not good. Uh, China is definitely slowing. Um, But I do think that the hollow ground that Nike has had with the Ministry of Sport seems frayed. Uh, Now, the question I have is are $200 sneakers are $200 sneakers like Mac. Remember, we're now worried that uh, Estee Lauder, they're worried about fancy makeup. I- it, f- iPhones? I, well, that's the toughest one of all, because <laughs> yeah, they're exactly. made there. I had Win on last night. We're going to have to talk about Wynn. But uh, I don't know. It, 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 there are stat- anything that's a badge or a status of wealth? No. Right now. With only, with
2: only Apple
3: being, to me, the exception. Yeah.
2: We've been there before. Yes, Signs of American influence being shamed uh, well, in some ways.
3: I just think that... I just want to say that I think the weakness of Nike is not that Nike's shoes are bad. I just think that maybe... It's a little expensive. Yep. Maybe they have to cut price. Yep.
2: Uh, it's clearly going to weigh on the Dow, obviously, at the open, which we'll get the open in about 15 minutes. After the break, Elon Musk thinks the ongoing chip shortage is, quote, short term. We'll talk about what he sees coming in the year ahead. We'll talk about the CDC decision. Got some calls on Roku and Salesforce today. Uh, futures, as we said, are a bit red after a strong two day rally, and we're trying to hold gains for the week. We're back in a moment.
0: Every day,
2: U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo commenting on the ongoing chip shortage yesterday, saying, quote, it's time to get more aggressive. The situation is not getting better. In some ways, it's getting worse. Also looking at some of these wartime powers where they'd be able to monitor uh, supply chain all the way through.
3: Yeah, there was a little disappointment uh, with the people that were brought together uh, simply because there is no resolution whatsoever. 52 billion right now is caught up in uh, the actual big morass of a bill as opposed to making it defense. Uh, What's lacking, I think, is the Defense Department. They're just not, they're nowhere. They're not saying, they're not coming on air saying, yeah, we need this. Now, uh, and this is totally, again, related to Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan Semi. We, we, we're we keeping ASML from being able to, it's a Dutch company, be able to ship their lithography machines, which are $150 million, and they're the size of a city bus. We're blocking that. The Chinese can't handle that. They need to be able to get those ASML, which is obviously a Taiwan Semi on the island of Taiwan. And in the meantime, we're sitting here trying to figure out, well, how do we Uh, build build foundries when I think there's going to be tremendous pushback because you're in an outlet like Global Foundry, which makes uh, military uh, chips in New York, let's say it comes public. Well, then I think that people are going to say, well, wait a second. Why are we giving money to these companies that are also rich? So we're at a stalemate, and the stalemate can only be broken by, I think, the military saying, we are very worried that that our chips are going to end up being made by the Chinese. And that's what they have to do. But the, the military is so tone deaf on this. It's really extraordinary. And, and it, it, you know, General Mattis, when he in the beginning of his book, when he was secretary of defense, talked about Taiwan to, and, and you know, basically said, look, you know, this was something where the Chinese lied to Obama immediately. And he used, he used those terms. And we all kind of think, you know what? Don't worry about it. This is really about trade. Uh, I would
2: argue Tillerson had a more hawkish view and thought that we would there would be a conflict over Taiwan within a decade. But, Tillerson yeah. was,
3: was in a remote, I was very critical of him when he was at Exxon. Sure not critical of him yeah. when he was at the state.
2: Uh, the more constructive view, of course, is coming from Elon Musk regarding new fabrication. This is what Musk said. Take a listen.
0: There's a lot of um, chip uh, fabrication plants that are being built. Um, and I think we will have... Uh, good capacity for providing uh, chips uh, by next year, I think. Uh, I certainly hope so, but it appears that way.
2: Okay, so it's not a prediction, uh, but he does think that maybe we could end up in a better spot by next year.
3: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I I am so, uh, as I look at it again, so so worried about what Elon Musk is saying about, uh, I tried to warn you about artificial intelligence. I mean, he's been against and you know, worried about, but he's really talking about a, a very apocalyptic vision of, of AI. He's got a lot of different things that he's been opining on, but what he really ought to opine on is the fact that Mercedes is moving so aggressively into EV that I am shocked myself. They are going full bore into EV. I wonder whether it was his decision to go right in their face in Berlin. that has made it so Benz, which, by the way, have got a very left wing government that might be elected in Germany this yes, weekend. Yes. So I think that there are a lot of those just like World Dutch was told, "Hey, listen, we want you to be carbon neutral in an oil company." They are really pushing EV, and I think that we're going to be talking about that Benz which is good looking by the way. Yeah. Well, cool. and if Kathy Woods right, it might be cheaper than a gas-powered car well, by Kathy next Wooden. year. You know, I now that everybody doesn't like her, I'm all over the Woodstock. We're going to talk about some
2: of it selling a little Palantir and a couple other things. We'll get Kramer's mad dash countdown to the opening bell on this Friday. Take one last look at futures before the opening bell in about 8 minutes. Let's get to Kramer's Matt Dash before the opening bell. A couple of price target hikes on Costco. Sounds like you might be one of them. And
3: it's right. The CFO, Rich Clancy, runs the call. He schools you. I mean, not like the way Coinbase tried to school it. Chairman of the SEC ill-advised. He actually explains how they work every call. Why does he have to do that? Because the analysts who cover it never seem to get it. This is not a margin play. It's a top-line play. And that's why this company has been so amazing. They cut their prices and cut their prices and cut the prices so you become a member. The members are really growing. They're going to add a second China store next year. That's going to be... They're going to Auckland, New Zealand. Apparently uh, doing quite well. But the main thing here is, is that while there are shortages... While they, they themselves have had to put some uh, like bath tissues, roll towels, Kirkland Signature water, I love that, high-demand cleaning-related SKUs on uh, uh, is of Delta, they are crushing it, and they're crushing it because they are offering the best value. Uh, they're paying their people more. It's a joy, and it's it's just a joy. This when, You know how like a lot of these retailers say, like, our team and our associates? No. No. These guys... They all play together. It's a remarkable quarter, and Glanty is a genius. People who want to understand business read this guy.
2: He's a genius. Well, it all goes back to Senegal too.
3: Yeah, I mean, Glanty once I, I come questioning about paying, you know, that Camus wine was ten dollars under where I bought it. And he says, "Well, if you understood business, you'd understand why we do that." As opposed to like explaining it, and he's like, oh, okay.
2: "They're very plain spoken." We're going to yes. watch. We're going to watch Cost at the Open, uh, which is in four and a half minutes. Don't go anywhere.
3: I think, ultimately, the director did the right thing, overruling the advisory committee. Uh, remember, it was a close vote as well. I think it was a 9-6 vote. So it wasn't like it was a resounding vote that uh, people who are at risk from occupational exposure should be denied the boosters. So I think it was the right decision because there's a lot of healthcare care workers who were vaccinated last December or January who are already getting boosters
2: former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb earlier today on Squawk Box talking about that uh, overrule over at the CDC. Sounds like you agree.
3: Yes, I think that once again, Dr. Gottlieb is true north. He he, he was questioning why the 60 cutoff. And I think that he does more work than anyone and was uh, basically saying frontline people are going to get it. Uh, frontline people are getting it. I, well, I don't know about you. I mean, I, it's just daily that I hear breakthroughs. And they tend to be people who uh, got it in January and February. i got their Moderna, their Pfizer, but fortunately not hospitalized. But I do think that what there was just an amazing interview this morning with Squaw, where he basically just and he lays this out in uncontrolled spread. That we, t- we took a process that was meant basically for pediatric regulation and grafted it on it. COVID. So much of what's still playing out is just not as, as suboptimal. The book is so amazing. Yep, yeah, we're all looking forward to looking at it. Uncontrolled spread.
2: Uh, getting great reviews from Dr. Dotman. There's the opening bell and the CNBC Real Time Exchange at the big board. It's Clearwater Analytics. An accounting and analytics software provider celebrating an IPO at the NASDAQ. It's Q Health, maker of COVID 19 tests, also celebrating an IPO. By the way, U.S. cases down 17 percent in the past week. Thanks, Dr. Topol.
3: Well, uh, although
2: deaths are still elevated yes, as they lag.
3: Dr. Topol, of course, a must-follow. He was on Mad Money last week. Again, talking about where's the peak, when's the peak. And I, I do think that we are peaking, which is one of the reasons why a lot of people are buying stocks. Uh, I do think that the question is um, uh, we're peaking state by state. So, I mean, I was doing some work on Oregon yesterday. Definitely peaked. Mississippi, not peaked. I mean, it literally is the, this great debate. But I do think that the opening of the borders was the signal that we are over the hump, that that was actually, I think, the right move. And I am bullish on the idea that this thing is running its course. I, I do feel that there are people who have Johnson & Johnson who are concerned, my wife included. Uh, but I do think that if you've got two... You feel like you can go out yep. and do things, and we did not hear about major outbreaks. We've had what two weeks in the NFL? That's true. Seventy thousand people together. Where are the outbreaks? Uh,
2: it's very true. Uh, even states like Tennessee and West Virginia, uh, which are at the top of the list in terms of per capita cases, are making improvements. Yes, by it's the way, news. Goldman took a look at the the travel uh, restriction loosenings that you mentioned. They say it could add another ten to fifteen percent of lost spending from uh, from tourists, and maybe add close to one hundred thousand jobs. We, if David were here, we'd talk more about uh, Amal Nupiravir out of Merck. But B of A says antivirals, quote, could be a game changer
3: I agree. at this stage. And I do think, I mean, Dr. Gottlieb here right now, I know he would uh, be, t- be talking about how exciting that is. Uh, Deutsche Bank says 16 out of 20 years you should buy Delta. Uh, that's an interesting idea. If you believe what we just said, Delta is a good way to... I uh, took play it, so to speak. Uh, I've always felt that the problem with playing uh, COVID is that you sit there. The only guys other than Godly who's been right about it is Jay Powell, who said, Lord, you, know, you know, a couple months ago, he said, look, I'm worried. And people said, like, what's he worried about? I'm going to Disney World. And of course, he actually nailed it. I do believe that the idea is sinking in that it's the flu for people who are vaccinated. We don't want the flu. But if they have something that can make it so that we're better instantly, that's pretty amazing. Instantly being just done. Now, remember, Regeneron has a drip and people do really well. There's a fabulous part between page 300, page 319 in Gottlieb's book about the president, President Trump and Regeneron versus Lilly. And it is, for anyone who's trying to choose stocks, there it is. He tells you how to pick stocks. Who is Gottlieb? <laughs> I, mean, I know he's on the board of Lumen and Pfizer. But the book is like, you're, there's, you, know, you read it, and there's about 30 pages of footnotes. I mean, it's, it is a great documentation. But the room, the Trump, all the meetings with Trump, including the fact that you couldn't be in a picture with Trump if you were wearing a mask. You're not in. I mean, who yeah. is that kind of level of detail? Yeah.
2: I assume uh, that that hopeful view on the disease, Jim, is why Carnival's above twenty-five. Absolutely. Once again, uh, wider than expected loss, but Q3 voyages were cash flow positive. Company sees that continuing. Ends the quarter with nearly eight billion in liquidity.
3: And how about that? And Steeple comes out with a very positive in Royal Caribbean. Ninety-five goes to one hundred eleven. They did a big equity offering, uh, lower than that. But uh, twenty twenty-three, this does look real good. By the way, uh, Disney Cruises doing very well. Disney's back.
2: Did I see a move on Disney in your
3: charitable trust? I'm back. You I, are. 171 was lower than where I where I, uh, I sold it. And I just think that I've been studying this man, Mr. Chapek. And I know he's different. He's very different in style. But... I do think that people who are just playing him as a guy who is Disney Plus versus uh, people going to the movies are really missing the point. He's got a very holistic approach. That is not nonsense. He is looking at the entire uh, entire world that is Disney, and I think he's making a lot of sense. Uh, there were a couple lines. He did this. Uh, he shouldn't have mentioned the word distant when people asked him. Right at the end of this conference, he was asked, how about buybacks or dividends? And he said, well, that's distant. That was wrong. He he, he should have said, it's up to the board. I don't school him. I don't, like, get to school him. But if he were here right now, I would have said, do you mean, like, let's leave it to the board? Because that crushed the stock. Yeah. But that gave us the opportunity to buy. It, it was the headline. Uh, um, no, The distant mean, future. You know, he forgets that it's a gotcha game. <laughs> I mean, you know, Having been a, 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 a reporter one time where I was a hatchet man, where they would say, listen, go get gotcha. They got him. And I, he doesn't mean, I don't think he meant that. I think basically, look, COVID is a speed bump. Yes. And frankly, they have such growth opportunities, they don't need to do a buyback or dividend, but they will when it's right. And that would have been a better thing to say.
2: Um, It's one reason, well, we'll watch Disney, but clearly the cruise lines, the airlines, even some of the um, casinos, Jim, I see uh, Wynn trying to get back to 85.
3: My interview with with, uh, Mr. Maddox last night was eye-opening. Uh, CEO of Wynn, he is saying that it's actually could be I'm going to use the term business as usual in Macau in terms of what really is at stake is COVID. Remember that they've got the Olympics there. They're really trying to squash COVID. He says it's not about trying to close the casinos. The casinos, by the way, employ a huge number of people. uh, And but Vegas is on fire. Vegas is maybe the best they've seen. It's tough to get in. I do like the story here. My chapel trust owns it. But as I explained last night, I've been terrible on it. I believed at 100. I believed at 110. These were mistakes. But I did feel uh, I, I felt assured because Mr. Maddox been always straight with me, especially when he brought in uh, Hopkins to try to figure out how to get the aerosol to be OK. Here's a quick that. listen
2: of what uh, Maddox told Jim last night.
3: We've never experienced the type of business that we're seeing right now in Las Vegas and in Boston. It's extraordinary. And we're seeing that without international travel. Just this week when it was announced that if you, you can come to the United States if you're vaccinated, we had reservations from the UK spike from effectively zero to hundreds a day. People are wanting to come to Las Vegas and have a good time. Hundreds a day in, one, in four or five days? I mean, I, I think that we're misjudging European travel. I actually thought about Macy's. I actually said Jeff Gannett has been always saying, listen, if they open European travel, and I think Jeff's doing a real good job. I, I, you know, to be, I, after I heard Wynn, I said, maybe we should be thinking about Macy's. I got try to get Jeff on uh, because he, uh, he is uh, such a straight shooter. But Maddox, I, I think when you go back, if you look at the uh, call five years ago with Steve Wynn, the, you know, no longer running, it, yes. but Steve Wynn attacks. It the taxed the, attack- the Macau government, as many basically attacking the Chinese communists, saying, listen, we're like the biggest employer. I mean, what are you doing? And the-, the PRC folded like a cheap suit because of the number of jobs. If it weren't for COVID, I think you could say that... Win would be doing much better, and that the regulation, uh, according to Maddox, is much more having to do with health than it is trying to re- legislate the uh, rich people getting out. Now, junkets are much the rich people junkets have already been down, 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 down. But a lot of people felt, you know, James Chanos has been coming on and saying that be, quick, be careful how much this is worth. Obviously, the chart is the chart from health. Yes, but I, I do. I don't want to just say Matt Maddox what a liar he is because he's never been a liar to me, and I dealt well, with even at the height of COVID when I say. I ain't going to your places. Your place is the most dangerous place on earth. He goes, well, why do you think we brought in you know, this expert? That And you know, he brought in people who couldn't be bought. That's, yeah, that's generally what you want me. to do. Yeah. So you also always bring in Gottlieb. You ever know, i, 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 I think think You ever knows, a like, God, you know, when, 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 when Frank Del Rio, um, who I believe is his birthday today, when Frank Del Rio for, for Norwegian brought in Gottlieb and Gottlieb suggested everybody should be vaccinated. And then, of course, the governor from Florida says, well, that's wrong. And the governor was like making a statement that you have every right to. What was his stand? Ever uh, I we're still trying to never figure out understood that. One out. that. Uh, I know, but I I, just, I don't want to disagree with someone who says that you have a right to be sick and then give it to you because it's a free country. It's not like China. But I do think that when you get Gottlieb involved, he favors vaccination over non-vaccination. Yeah.
2: Well, um, Merck is uh, leading the Dow, and we were talking about the antiviral trials and the data that we might get by the end of the year. Uh, McDonald's is helping out Jim on a div hike um, on the resumption of um, of buybacks, which they announced yesterday, and then. CRM, which Piper ups uh, to overweight. They go from 280 uh, to 365.
3: Uh, I was going back and forth with Benioff last night. I, was, I got up at three. He still was not asleep. So going back for him just to say, can I please hear the parts that drove the stock up? And it was multiple parts. I mean, they basically just said, listen, we are growing faster than you realize. We are having greater margin. You realize, I don't think people realize how powerful the slack deal is. And, uh, this is a meeting, by the way, that he does. I, I don't know what he, I mean. He's up for like three straight days, but this is a meeting that historically has determined the stock price, not the actual Dreamforce. And this was the best. I mean, we're going back and forth. We just say, "Listen, I man, I can't believe it." And, and uh, he, so he was showing me clips of it, and wow, wow, this was not the usual Salesforce meeting. And he's got a lot more people involved, by the way. Salesforce is a little bit more than Mark. There was a period where it was just Mark. I mean, it, it ain't just Mark, and. It was it was not joyous. It was just rigorous, but I uh, I was very very impressed and come back and say Salesforce is very much more of a juggernaut than a lot of the other companies in that sector.
2: Yeah, uh, B of A goes to three thirty. That's they, nice. They actually count the number of times margin was mentioned this investor day thirty four times. Two years ago, just sixteen times.
3: Well, because I mean, I go back and forth with markets unless you, Mark unless you grow margins. People are going to say that you're just buying company and buying company, and that's that, that's been the knock, right? For you know, years. he bought uh, Mule yes. something they, he, he bought Tableau, he bought Slack, and if you don't see margin improvement, the people just say, "Well, what he what he's doing is just pyramiding." No, he's not. Uh, it's just the opposite of Costco. It's very funny. Remember, they don't want margin improvement because they want you to become a member and they add so many people. With margin improvement, Salesforce is a different stock. The fact that it's up a second day is making it so that the bears, who have been you know, and they're numerous, are saying eh, you know what, what am I going to do? He's got the model. Now, Saudi and Adele, if he was here, I mean, he could be a tech check for all I know, because you've had such <laughs> unbelievable interviews. Yes. I mean, I want to know what he really thinks about Slack, because Slack is against Microsoft. Yes, it's a, it's a death match. Yes, it is. It's numbers. a claymation death match. Yes. Two enter, only one leaves. Yes, Master Blaster, I'm betting is, is Benny. Um,
2: we were talking on Twitter earlier this morning about B of A took a look at outflows out of infrastructure funds. I know. Uh, as people have a little more pessimism about that $1 <laughs> trillion dollar package passing.
3: Although, Nucor's up. Uh, United Reynolds is up. Well, you know why I thought? Because then, from your great tweet, I realized that's why Nucor was down. I yeah. mean, going back and forth with Nucor, uh, uh, Leon Topalian, who's such a good CEO. I mean, remember, people are looking for 22 this year and then 11 next year because no infrastructure. If they can even do 15 the stock will be much higher. But when I saw that, I realized that now I understand why the company could raise guidance and yet the stock go down. It was the outflows. That was a fantastic statistic. Uh,
2: a lot of the retailers getting smacked on the heels of Nike, Jim. Uh, the Under Armors, the GAPs. Is this, does this provide any opportunity here, uh, despite what you've said about China demand?
3: Um, uh, William sonoma has done a lot in terms of, uh, I think that Laura Albers probably done the best in terms of uh, getting, getting supply here, if you believe Nike, that supply is an issue, uh, uh, by the way, Costco has now rented, they are now rent in, in the business of containers. They're, they've they got, got three of their own, yeah, right? Yeah, they're not. The, Galante's not fooling around anymore. he 's yeah, enough already. Now, it's only 20%. But he has just said, listen, we had to go buy. We had to go rent some containers. We can't have this anymore. And, you know, they've got thousands of, I mean, container ships. He's just, everyone's going to have to do that eventually. People don't realize, by the way, we used to fly a lot of planes to Taiwan to Singapore to China. But we've, you know, obviously that, that traffic has been cut down dramatically, but it was in the cargo hold that a lot of stuff was sent. And that, that went out. So then you had to send it by ship. But I love the fact. I mean, oh, by the way, there's this moment where Glanty says he's having fun here, by the way, because he does that. He goes, oh, I want to stress supply. He goes, from a supply chain perspective, the factors. here's what's hurting them. And he goes, well, let's see. It's only port displays, container shortages, COVID disruption, shortages of various components, raw materials and ingredients, labor cost pressure, trucker tr- trucker driver shortages, trucks and driver equipment. And then he says, basically, it's a fun time to
2: be in the business. <laughs> it it kind of reminds me of what Carol Tomei of UPS said last night on Closing Bell. Take a listen to this.
4: You go way upstream manufacturers were well they were running lean manufacturing they were running just in time inventory which worked very well until the pandemic hit when the pandemic hit manufacturing slowed down and then when the world started to recover the demand outpaced the capacity so we found ourselves with a lack of supply We found ourselves with capacity constraints on ocean freight and air freight. And then when the products finally get here to the United States, well, they're jamming up in the ports.
2: From just in time to just in case, Jim.
3: Yes, that's exactly right. Well, we realize a Ford and a GM, I mean, they would be putting up unbelievable numbers had they had the chips that they need and, or, and cooperated more with some of these companies like an Avnet or been closer to global foundry. Now, I, what I thought was amazing during the interview, I was watching, U, I was watching UPS closely. It was going, it was at 187, then 187.10, then 187.8, and then went back down. And the reason that people sold UPS is because they just think that Kyle Tomei is as dumb as FedEx. When I use that term loosely, well, actually, rigorously, because the FedEx conference call was a disaster. And I love the FedEx people, but they've lost control of the situation. I don't think Carol may has. Yeah.
2: Uh, FedEx is co- historically really conservative on guidance, but there was a mess, as you pointed out.
3: Oh, my out. God. That was one of those calls where it's like, guys, just throw in the towel. It's like, oh, please, like you. See, I don't watch the Oba fight, whatever that thing is, that's owned by Endeavor and Aerie. I think you're in the yes. fan. I, lo- I love you, Aerie. I love you, Aerie. But it was like, is there a towel that can be thrown in? It's like, OK, that's it. We're just done this call. We're going to take a break. We'll come back to you tomorrow i mean because it was that bad it was that bad a call one last story jim and that's
2: vale resorts
3: it's up 40 bucks in a week as
2: uh, they announce um sales for the season up 40 percent on units a big capital plan right
3: it's going to be a, apparently a good ski season it's a safe place to go outside just like people feel about football outside it's just it is what people want that's one. But by well, that's another reason why I like Laura Albert Williams. she's got a great outside line. R.H. Also, you know, you mentioned that McDonald's. That's inside. So that's the one that's most critical. I got to do more work on that. One. Yeah.
2: Oh, well, they've done a lot to change, this, change the store, a lot more drive-through, yes. a lot more delivery, a lot more mobile, which you've been after them to do for years.
3: Well, I think Chris compensates. I think he's very quietly making the place a little more exciting. Yeah. Uh, so Dow's trying
2: to get back to the flat line. Uh, we're well off the opening low. Let's get to Bob Passani. Hey, Bob.
1: Hello, Carl. Happy Friday. The low print was the open, folks. 44.30. And we're practically even. In fact, we're basically even for the week. The S&P is up about 0.3 percent. Who would have thought it? Uh, we have had tremendous amounts of volatility and not a lot of movement when the day is done here. Take a look at the sectors. Defensive tone to the opening, uh, 2 to 1, declining to advancing at the open. Uh, But banks doing better. They've had a great week overall, one of the best weeks in a while. Consumer staples, utilities, see the defensive tone. Tech's been lagging a little bit. Uh, China, of course, lagging. Uh, The MCHI is sitting essentially at a 52-week low. As I mentioned we are where we started a week ago at the close uh, on Friday. Uh, essentially, the Dow, though, has moved 1,300 points in between all of that, just to get back to roughly break even. It's been a remarkable week. On the whole, the news is negative, which is why I'm even more amazed by it. The bears really thought they had a lot of issues to deal with, and they certainly do. Just look what we're dealing with here. Uh, we've obviously got supply chain problems with the issues uh with, with Nike and with FedEx. We've got the continuing resolution and all this confusion around the debt ceiling. We've got booster confusion as well. We've got Evergrande, where they're apparently uh, not making the, the payment. We're trying to confirm that or figure out what's going on. And, of course, we've got the crypto crackdown in China, uh, and that's now affecting uh, the blockchain. Blockchain assets, and there's not a lot of them, but they've been doing pretty well this year, holding on. But you see uh, MicroStrategy trading down a little bit, Marathon Digital, Coinbase, Coinbase. Uh, also a little bit uh, on the weak side, Galaxy Week. But on, on the on the whole, blockchain assets, if you look at BLOK, that is the main uh, uh, blockchain uh, crypto uh, ETF. BLOK has been sideways uh, for most of the year. Uh, and uh, it's down a little bit today, but doing uh, uh, generally has held up very well. As for Nike, uh, I think what we all need, all we all want is a little bit more clarity on uh, what the, uh, what's going on with the supply chain. Obviously, the lower guidance here and the revenues are uh, uh, not going to be up as much. But the key point is business was great, and they have emphasized that. And I think that's the key story here. Vietnam, I- Indonesia is already coming back online. Vietnam, according to what they're saying, is already also coming back online. So, again, this is manageable. Remember that big, you see that huge move up in Nike? They had an 80 percent beat. At their last earnings call, so the stock essentially, you know, went up rather dramatically from 130 to about 170 dollars at the top, and you see it's off of that. But uh, the key thing is, business is going to be. Looks like remaining really, really good here. Uh, as for the major sectors for the quarter, we're closing the quarter out. And the key story is growth still dominates. So, technology and healthcare, which is healthcare tends to be growth oriented along with computer uh, communication services, all doing really well. And the more defensive or the cyclical sectors like industrials and materials a little bit on the weak side. But Carl, all this is very much in in flux. Uh, I think the peak everything story is still very valid. We haven't mentioned it in a while. I think it's a lot easier to make a case for the bears right now that the markets ought to be a little bit lower. And I think it's harder right now, given the things to deal with, to make it that it should be a lot higher. Remember, Carl, S&P is up 40 percent in the last 12 months. Carl, back to you.
2: All right, Bob. Thanks, uh, Bob Pisani. Coming up in the next hour, do not miss billionaire Jared Isaacman. As you know, the commander of that first all-civilian crew to reach space. First, though, keep an eye on the bond report. Treasuries, uh, a lot of discussion about the 10-year yield moving further into a breakout. We got above 145 briefly this morning, currently right below it. VIX close to 19. Uh, most sectors are, in fact, red, but financials, utilities, and staples are helping out. We're back in just a moment. As we put the week into some context, uh, travel has really appeared to break out, especially on airlines and hotels. Expedia is going to be your number one gainer for the week. And then, of course, we mentioned Salesforce and their investor day, the reaction to that, along with the renewed interest and ongoing interest in energy. Devin, of course, ConocoPhillips has uh, crude oil is going for five weeks of gains. Coming up next, it's Stop Trading with Jim.
3: It's time for Jim and stop trading. Okay, on the 28th, Micron reports, and the long knives are already out. we got three different firms saying be very, very careful going into the quarter. reminds me of what happened with FedEx. They said be very, very careful, and then people said, ah, it can't be that bad, and it was. Uh, Micron, they've got uh, worries there about pricing in DRAM. I happen to think Micron's a very, very good company, but it does have long cycles, and they're not making those chips that we really need. Whoa. Okay, so be careful. That's going to be one of the prints of the week. That will be. And uh, for tonight, I've got GoodRx, which is offering actually real good health information on the web. I like GoodRx very much. I've used it a lot. And Ivy Zellman, who's the dean, the queen, whatever you want to call it, of housing, who's got some uh, critical statements, has a new book out, which I love, by the way. Women who want to crack the glass ceiling. I'm giving this to my kids. It's pretty amazing.
2: That's great. She's certainly done it. Uh, Jim, we'll see you tonight. Thank you. Uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street.
1: Earning your degree online
0: doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.